0: The story of Jonah and the whale, that Jonah was in the belly of the whale and spewed out alive, that's captured the imagination of people for generations. The book of Jonah, where we have our first reading, though, it, it, the whale is not central to this short book of a minor prophet in the Old Testament. Really this book that's maybe four chapters in length, it tells us that God, is Lord over all people, all nations, not just his chosen people. And so really what the two points that follow from that is that God, uh, his authority extends over the nations and he will exert his justice on those who warrant punishment for their sins, but at the same time God is merciful, so he will forgive those nations that repent of their sins. You know, our our first reading today, uh, it's very rich, but we need to understand it in the fuller context of this book of Jonah. So let's look at some of the main points of this book to to kind of get a, a more complete grasp of what this first reading is telling us. And the first thing to know about Jonah is this. He's a reluctant prophet. The book of Jonah begins by God saying, Go to Nineveh, because the wickedness of Nineveh has become too much, essentially. And Jonah's response to this is to run away. He does not want to go to Nineveh to prophesy. Why? Because Nineveh is not a city in Israel. It's a city in Assyria. And Assyria is Israel's enemy. Jonah lived about one generation before the Assyrian Empire would conquer the northern kingdoms. So he wants nothing to do with that. And then, this is really interesting, St. Jerome, one of the great biblical scholars in our tradition, he says that the prophet Jonah knew by an inspiration of the Holy Spirit that the people of Nineveh would repent at his preaching, and that their repentance would signal the destruction of the northern kingdom. This Gentile nation was responding to the word of God better than Israel, better than the northern kingdom. And so, Jonah flees. Of course, We can't really flee from God. And after the episode with the whale, Jonah reluctantly goes to Nineveh to fulfill this mission God gave him. And so Jonah goes through this city and he says, 40 days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. That's it. He doesn't promise salvation for repentance. He doesn't talk about the mercy of God or forgiveness or compassion. It's a very severe message. It's a Fire and brimstone sermon if ever there was one. And Nineveh repents. You have To go back to St. Jerome, he said that had it been otherwise, they would not have repented. Had he come talking about the gentleness and the mercy of God, his compassion, they wouldn't have repented. He, Jerome thought it was necessary to cut through the arrogance and the decadence of Nineveh with this severe message. Jonah was a dour, conflicted man, an imperfect man, as we all are. He was the chosen, imperfect instrument to bring about the conversion of Nineveh, the repentance of Nineveh. You know, I've thought about Jonah a lot this past week, not only because I was preparing a homily on him. You know, on Wednesday, we inaugurated our 46th president, Uh, Joe Biden, and so for the first time in nearly 60 years, a Catholic is in the Oval Office. And while there are some areas of agreement between the church and the new administration, I'd be lying if I said it's not going to be a tense four years, uh, at the very least. Take, for example, what happened on Friday. Friday was the 48th anniversary of the Supreme Court decision Roe v. Wade, this tragic decision that legalized abortion. And since 1973, this anniversary has been a day of prayer and penance for Catholics, where we pray for the legal protection of the unborn. Well, on this day of prayer and penance, President Biden released a statement emphasizing his commitment to codifying Roe versus Wade as the law of the land and appointing pro-abortion judges. Now, maybe you're thinking, why are you talking about this? What is this what could this possibly have to do with Jonah? And I I would say three things. First, on a more of a personal note, I sympathize with Jonah, the reluctant prophet. Believe it or not, I don't particularly enjoy talking about these quote-unquote political issues in homilies. And in 2020, it felt like I had to do that, you know, we priests had to do that more than usual. And I'm sure we are all more than a little burnt out on the intensity of politics the past year plus. And yeah, it would be a whole lot easier to punt and not talk about the already sensitive issue of abortion made complicated by a baptized Catholic president who promises to keep abortion enshrined as the law of the land. But Jonah shows us the foolishness in trying to run away from God and the mission he's given to us. So it's out of this sense of obligation that, you know, I... I remind everyone that since the very beginning, since the first century, the church has taught that abortion is wrong, is evil, and and this is not a teaching that can change or will change. You know, the simple truth is, we don't determine for ourselves what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. We don't get to pick and choose which tenets of the faith we're going to follow and which ones we're going to conveniently ignore. Jesus, in our gospel today, he says, repent and believe in the gospel, Turn away from evil. And what does it mean to believe in the gospel? It means to try to conform our life, our mind, our heart and soul, our ideas, to the revelation of God. And central to God's revelation is that all human life is sacred. I know it's uncomfortable. We might be reluctant to enter into this conflict, but there's no running away from God from the mission he's given us to proclaim the truth in season and out of season. Secondly, Jonah's message uh, is an important reminder to us. You know, Jonah had a very severe message. Forty days more, Nineveh would be destroyed. He obviously left out the very important parts about God's mercy and forgiveness. But the one thing he talked about is the one that we like to overlook in the modern world. There are consequences eternally for those who persist in stubbornly rebelling against God, against his laws, against his revelation. You know, the day will come for us all, for each and every one of us, when we will stand before our Lord as our judge, and he will ask to give an account for our life. And it will not matter on that day the clever rationalizations we've thought up, the justifications we've told ourselves and others it won't matter but I will break here with Jonah because yes God is just and yes there are eternal consequences for rebelling against him but God is merciful and now is the time to take advantage of his mercy now is the time to repent and to confess our sins and to be forgiven because it doesn't matter what we may have done no sin is beyond uh, is stronger than his mercy no number of sins is beyond His power to forgive. He wants us to be made whole, to repent and embrace his gospel. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, the book of Jonah gives us hope. From a human standpoint, Jonah should have been written off as a crazy man. Here's a guy who had just been spewed out of the belly of a whale, preaching repent and believe, uh, sorry that was Jesus, I messed that up, saying 40 days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. And I I would have written him off as a crazy man. Nineveh repented in sackcloth and ashes, in fasting and penance. That's not possible by human uh, efforts alone. This is God's work. And the same God who, who brought about the conversion of the Ninevites, he can convert our hearts and the heart of our nation. And so we must pray for the conversions of hearts in the end to abortion. You know, I used this anecdote several weeks ago, but I'm going to repeat it because I I think it's very instructive. In 1917, the middle of World War I, young men are dying in droves on the front, and Our Lady appeared to three shepherd children in Fatima in Portugal. When she first appeared on May 13th, she said to them, Pray the rosary every day to bring peace to the world and an end to the war. Again, from a human standpoint, that's nuts to think that praying a rosary could end a war. But nothing's impossible for God. And if we look throughout history, we've seen that devotion to Our Lady, turning to her with the rosary, has ended wars and plagues and disasters down through the ages. We need to go to Our Lady every day and pray the rosary Because God and Our Lady are not any less powerful than they were 104 years ago. Let us pray and let us hope that the same God who converted the Ninevites at the preaching of a reluctant prophet can change our hearts and bring our nation to repentance, the repentance we so desperately need.